In this episode of Life, Music, and the Pursuit of Answers, our host Phil Circle sits down with musician, producer, engineer, and composer Ted Wolfers during the mixdown of Phil's upcoming new record. This interview is split into two parts, one indoors and the other in a van. Part one. Welcome to Life, Music, and the Pursuit of Answers. I'm Phil Circle. I'm here with uh, not only an outstanding musician, songwriter, who, uh, of whom I'm a, a great fan, but a longtime friend, uh, Ted Wolfers. What's going on, Ted? How you doing, man? Good, man. It's good that you're out here in California. It's great to be here, yeah, especially this time of year. So this is March 7th. Even though it's cold here, it's an escape from the Midwest. Oh my God! Yeah, it's not even cold. Are you kidding? I'm always walking past people wearing, uh, you know, pea coats today down in Santa Monica, and I was wondering what's wrong with them because 50 degrees and a little windy is not cold. To their credit, though, at night the beach cold. Oh yeah, this is true. Cold yeah. is cold, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I lived in New Mexico, and I, I experienced that whole the, the the arid climate, nighttime cold as well. So now that we've discussed the weather, um, <laughs> um, I, 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 <laughs> get that right out of there. That's right. So uh, anyway, uh, what we're here for is to talk about whatever fascinates you. But first, why don't you tell people a little bit about you and in, in your own words, whatever it is you want to talk about. Well, about, about you. Oh, man, I... Uh... You know, as much as you have to be a self-promoter in this business, um, you know, one of my detriments sometimes is I, I, I don't enjoy talking about myself. I enjoy listening to people's stories. And when people ask me to tell a story, I've certainly got thousands. But um, no, my name is Ted Wolfers. I'm a singer-songwriter, producer, composer, multi-instrumentalist. I live in Los Angeles. Um, I have many, many albums out, available on vinyl, MP3, CD, all the streaming, all several record stores around the world. Uh, I play music live, uh, sometimes it's solo, sometimes it's with a full band, and I uh, produce a bunch of records here for a bunch of different people at my studio in Los Angeles. And I uh, compose films, I compose the music for films, and I'm uh, directing a documentary right now that will hopefully be out next year. So it's, uh, it's Renaissance Man all the time. It's Full, full blast creativity. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, how about it? So, uh, you know, the, the whole term renaissance man, right? It, it kind of, um, it, it amuses me we had to come up with a title for that. But I, uh, what, what are we supposed to be basing on? Leonardo da Vinci being a, 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 somebody who did a little bit of everything. But isn't this the nature of any creative individual? I, I really think... Any creative, creative individual, um, you have to be a Swiss Army knife, and I and I think most creative, m most creative people are, are that. And and it's funny because recently, in the last few years, I've really gotten into photography, and for me, taking a picture, framing a picture, finding a moment is just like writing a song, It's just like playing a show, and it's are we are we rolling? Yeah, we're okay. Mm -hmm. uh, taking a picture for me is just like writing a song, just like making a record, because you frame and you capture a moment. And, and what's funny is uh, people are so surprised, like Andy Summers, the guitar player from The Police, is an amazing photographer. Nikki Six from Motley Crue has a, has a gallery show of, of his amazing photography. Well, no kidding. These guys are really talented, 
wealthy, established people who have lived very interesting lives and took some amazing pictures along the way, just as they wrote amazing songs along the way. And, uh, and so, yeah, just in general, creative people, I really think, have to be Swiss Army Knives, A, to survive. But, um, you know, there is the argument of the jack-of-all-trades thing, like you're not really good at one Master thing. of none. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I think these days, especially with, with social media, if you're an actor, if you're a writer, if you're a photographer, if you're a screenwriter, if you're a musician, um, you've got to have about 50 hats <laughs> to, to get to that one hat, you know, that, that you've been working for all this life. And sometimes along the way, you find other paths along the way that either might become a, a real career for you or might be as fulfilling and as wonderful as your, the, your dream gigs. Now, uh, so the, the, the whole master of none question, though, did you focus on one specific area before the other areas came along? Yeah, I focused on, um, on baseball first right. and music second, and I should have stuck to baseball because <laughs> those guys make $35 million a year. Yeah, but then they need knee surgery. Right, no, and, yeah, right. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, I, I I definitely was with was always music first for me. Um, music has led to uh, filmmaking and film composing for me. Um, it led to photography for me because I I met some really amazing photographers through music, and and through um, you know being around you know creative people. Did you do a lot of your own photography to start with? Did that also lead you into it? Yeah, I mean, I was I was always taking pictures with with an Instamatic growing up. You know, I always had like a crappy camera, and uh, when the cell phone cameras started happening, um, I had some friends who were some really well known photographers, and I'd be the guy in the corner kind of taking the interesting picture. And after fifteen of my cell phone camera pictures got published, and they were used in magazines, or used as album covers, or used in you know different modeling portfolios, I was like, I should probably get a real camera. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, and, and uh, then the the film work is more recent, isn't it? The film work is is more recent. I mean, I've always I've always wanted to score films. I was the guy when I was you know fifteen years old and on. I'll watch a movie on mute, especially a movie I've never seen, and I'll just noodle with the guitar on the couch and think of like, what would that scene be like, or would, would that be happy or suspenseful? And and so um, I scored I scored a short horror film back in two thousand nine. He said a horror film. Horror, yes, horror yeah. film. Sorry. Uh, real funny story about that. Um, when I was growing up, there was a teacher I had a disagreement with, and I, I had never heard of the word W H O R E whore. Right. I wasn't aware. I was like fifth or sixth grade. I was not aware of that word, mm -hmm. and I had heard that somebody said she's a horror, right? And I thought, oh, that yeah, she's awful. Right. She's scary, she's mean, she's a horror, right? Yes, she's a horror. And so I came home and I was like, Mom, my teacher is such a horror. And your mom And my mom horror. was angry because she's like, You can't say that word. I was like, What do you what's wrong with horror? horror? Like everybody goes and sees horror movies. Did, did you do that with the uh, lyrics on songs and uh it were, you know everybody has the stories of songs where they mistook mistook the lyrics. Sure. Did you ever find out when you did that, did you ever then find out what the lyrics actually were and felt like, man, the ones I thought they were, were or better. so much better. Oh, all yeah. the time. All the time. Totally. Yeah, or, or you want to call the person or, or if they're your friend, call them up and say, actually this is Yeah, this would be a better lyric, man. I don't know what you were thinking. But yeah, no, I, I scored the, the music for a horror movie back in um in two thousand nine and that was a lot of fun, but um I've just been so busy with my own career, with records of my own, and producing and touring that um, the last couple of years, 
two really amazing films, Father of Jayla and, um, what is the second one? It's The Good Samaritans, um, came to my lap and it was really exciting and fun uh, scoring the movie. And, and uh, both of those have gone on to win several awards. Good Samaritans continues to win more and more awards as the weeks go by at all these festivals. I also happen to, uh, to have a very uh, violent death of my own in the movie. I'm, I'm violently stabbed in the movie. I will, I will give you that. I will break that secret to you. But it's a great... Um, it, yeah, what I love about scoring is it's, it's, it's different than making a record, but it's just like making a record, and you're helping somebody's idea come to life musically. And, uh, and so, yeah, so a lot of scripts are headed my way uh, right now, a lot more scripts, and I would love to... You know, I, I would really like to do a big feature movie where the score is as important as the... Because the score is always very important. I mean, yeah, you, you watch... What's funny is if you watch a movie that has... If it's shot beautifully and the sound sucks, the movie sucks. Whereas if you have, you know, no dialogue, no acting, and all amazing music, it's amazing. And so... Um, but I'd really like to kind of find the director or find the script where the movie really demands an insanely powerful score that is as good or better than, than the acting. So uh, hopefully if you are listening and you are a screenwriter and you are, or you are a director and you want to um, go to tedwolfers.com go to tedwolfers.com and shoot me an email or give me a call and let's make a movie together. When did, you started music as a kid, now I know some of this because you told me, you started music as a kid and, then, and it was all classical and then you decided uh, well, and then you were very into baseball and then something happened that caused you to go write a song and then you went oh this is what I should be doing it was it was interesting it was um, I grew up but when I was three years old I'd play all the commercials by ear on the piano I'd hear something and I'd play and my mom was like it's interesting and, um, so when I was when I was three I started started lessons and uh, by the time I was five I was playing all these you know classical you know what those recitals and concerts and things and um, it was great I mean I, I, I loved the instrument but I was always told you have to practice the piano you have to practice the piano you have to practice the piano and and, um, and so my piano teacher ended up dying poor Mrs. Hesford uh, when I was in sixth grade and I saw this as a blessing <laughs> in a horrible way <laughs> Um, well, as a kid, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know, and and but little did I know, it, it, it was kind of a blessing because, um, you know, a year later I, I really stayed away from the piano, but a year later my godfather died, and my very first reaction was to go to the piano and write a song, and I wrote a very simple song, and I said, oh my goodness, I'm not to practice the piano, I'm to play the piano, and I stopped practicing music that very day, and I've been playing it ever since. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a really a really good uh, redefinition of it. You know, uh, I tell students all the time we don't. There's a reason we call it we don't call it work the guitar. We call it play the guitar. Right, right. You know, and and that that you your the your reason for doing something. For instance, if I, now I don't teach kids anymore, but when I was I'd be teaching you know teenagers almost exclusively, fifty of them a week, and I'd get these. You know, guys would come in, and I, I, I'd be like, "So, uh, you know, what?" I always ask my students, even now, adult students, "What is it? You know, why are you here? What do you want to do this for?" Now, on the rare occasion, I'd get a student that that, uh, uh, well, you know, I want to be a rock star. I'd like get the f out of my studio. 
Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not why we do it. But what, you know, more often than not, though, it would be something along the lines of, well, they'd look at me like I was crazy because it, it, it was such an obvious answer. I love to do this. Or they would just explain. I can't imagine doing anything else. And when, when somebody's doing anything for that reason, there shouldn't be any reason that, that they, they not, you know, continue with that, that they not pursue that, that passion. Uh, was there ever uh, a job you or, or uh, a push from you know, when you were when you were being uh, raised to go in a particular direction other than music as to a career or anything? You know, I, I was having this conversation. With, have you seen the movie The Natural? Oh, no, Robert Redford. Yeah, um, I, I, I was I was having this conversation with a friend just last week. It's funny. Uh, there's a scene in it where the manager of the fictional team that Robert Redford is on. Uh, Robert Redford's like about to play the last game, the big heroic bullshit. But um, the, uh, the the manager is is this grumpy old guy. It's like Wilfred Brimley, I think, is the actor. Oh, nice. And he's just this grumpy, old, and he's just like, man, I should have been a farmer. You know, I should have been. I shouldn't have been in this this career. You know, I'm in the wrong business. And um, and it was funny because he, you know, they they kind of go around. It's like I should have been a banker. I should have been a farmer. I should. And of course, Robert Redford says. My dad always wanted me to be a baseball player, and uh, there was a period in my life where that was that was like the life, that was the thing. Like it was, it was you know, five hours of, of batting practice and fielding in the morning, five hours of fielding and batting practice at night. Like it was like twenty-four hours a day. Um, then when music hit me, it, it really had an effect on me because I I was you know um, when I really when I kind of got a guitar and I joined a band in, in high school and started the band and. Um, it was, you know, one of my best friends, uh, he, he wrote me a very funny letter when I graduated from high school and he's like, I can't believe you're going off to college with music. I always thought you'd find something better to do. <laughs> and if one of my songs, when I had been 17 had taken off, I would not have gone to college. I would have gone in, into music. I mean, um, yeah. I put out a record when I was 17. I went to college. My band was was very active in college and, and um, you know, and I've, I've luckily uh, had a couple of couple of moments here and there that have allowed me to, to keep doing it. And so, um, but the big push for me has always been, been, you know, be yourself, find your way. But uh, it was literally baseball and music. It sounds like a very unrealistic life, but I've not had a normal life, so. Well, normal is a setting in a washing machine. Right. You know, so what, what, what do we call it? Uh, what do you tell somebody, what do you tell people who are trying to find their way uh, into doing what they love to do and they're hearing all kinds of negative input to, oh, you should go do this, you should go do that. I mean, I, I have a, not, not, an, not a dissimilar experience from, from you. My dad, for about a minute, you know, wanted me to be an entrepreneur like him. I got a job offer as a commodities broker, turned it down, he was pissed off. By the end of the day, he changed his tune. I wrote a song while, you know, in the house, while, and he heard it, and he was like, yeah, never mind, this is what you should do. So it's the same thing. And I think I think my siblings got the same message from him, to really ultimately do something you love to do. So, But that isn't normal. But what's wrong with that is, well, that the, that's wrong. It, it shouldn't be the norm, or it shouldn't be unusual for us to, to do something you're like, good like at what we're doing. You naturally have a talent, yeah. Right, you know, so it, it shouldn't be unusual, and then the norm shouldn't be that you just uh, swallow the pill and go do what? 
you know, what everybody says. Now, now of course, anybody, there might be people who hear this and go, oh, that's easy for you to say. You had supportive parents, so oh, it's easy for you to say, you know, you had this musical talent. Let me ask you something, Ted. Uh, how, how many hours a day do you practice? Uh, well, how, how, how long do you have instruments in your hands? Yeah, I have instruments in my hands sometimes uh, over 16 hours in a day sometimes. So know? we work pretty hard to be the, able to do this. The 10,000 hours thing was years ago for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 10,000 hours, by the way, a reference to Miles Davis. Yes, and yes. and, and um, the 10,000, if, if you put in 10,000 hours of work into something, you're probably going to figure it out. You're probably going to have and a good, good sense of it. Yeah. You should find a different path. Yeah, it, because if, you, if you're not motivated to, to constantly pick it up and work for it, uh, then, then why, again, why are you doing it? And that's, you know, and that's, that's my answer to people when they're like, well, it's, you know, nice, easy for you to say you're talented. I, I fully believe that everybody can find a talent. I fully believe that anybody can pick up an instrument and learn how to play it. When, when you think of it like this, you, you, you know, where everybody's, um, everybody's uh, listening to music on the planet, right? So how can it be that everybody on the planet listens to music or enjoys music, can tell when they hear their favorite song or a song they don't like, they recognize somebody's voice or, or certain instruments and that sort of stuff, and they know nothing about music, and maybe they, can, they couldn't carry a tune if it had handlebars, but they know music and the language of music because they hear it all the time and they enjoy it and we all need it for whatever the reason. We can go to that, whatever social science you know, discussion on another occasion. Well, well, How can we think for a second that everybody couldn't pick up an instrument and learn it because, what, it's, it's simply a language? But, of course, a lot of people don't. But I try to make these points when people go, oh, well, that's easy for you to say. Well, it's, you know, my sister is... Uh, uh, a mathematician, more or less, an electrical engineer. Electrical engineering is her background. Um, she's fascinated with it. Uh, that's why she has done it all her life. And I have the worst. I, I, I think I'm good at math, but I've, I've never been interested in it. But, you know, I feel like if I had been, I could have become a physicist or something if that's the path I wanted to go. We have these innate. Total, interests know. and abilities and the things that we've created around humanity and, and I, and because I, we can do them. And I, and I wish, you know, um, you know, in some respects that there was an education system that would celebrate strengths instead of punish weaknesses. Yeah. And because it's a thing of not every brain and not every, you know, body is built for certain things, you know, and, and, and so um, I was just, I, I just, I just think, you know, going back to the, you know, there's so many sacrifices that somebody has to make in any career to achieve any level of success. And sometimes when I talk to younger people and they say, oh, you know, how did you get to where you are, this and this and this, and, and it's like, you know, you just have to be putting out the best work and do the best job that you can. Because if you're doing the best that you can and you're not seeing anything happen in your field, maybe that's not the field for you. You know, I mean, everybody can do things, but there should be some kind of, you know, there should be some kind of filter. Uh, you and I would love to go play for the Chicago Blackhawks. We cannot skate and shoot a hockey puck as well as they can. Right. So we have no business on the ice. I feel the same thing with music. There's a lot of people who really cannot sing, who they record a record and they have an audio engineer who uses all kinds of auto-tune and all kinds of tricks 
or literally cannot play the instrument enough at all to put together, you know, the, the, or they, you know, they're lip syncing or they're, you know, you shouldn't be there. There are plenty of people who can, who are really good. The world needs listeners too. If everybody's playing, yeah. nobody's listening. Well, absolutely, and and that's 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 to me the difference between show business and the art of music. What you just described. So they take somebody who's good looking on stage and marketable, and they you know fake something around them. To me, that's show business. That is that like you like you say that that they they have no business doing it. That's not the art of music. Um, the art of music is, is a very powerful thing. It's older than any religion. It's older than any language. It's older than any energy. It's an energy force that, you know, when a star explodes, it explodes in the frequency of music. Mm-hmm. When a meteorite goes past the earth, there's music. There's, you know, the, the, the thing that... What's amazing about artists is finding muses and finding energy to, to accept that energy and to marinate it and to ball it into their own energy and to give it out to the world that inspires people, it's very powerful stuff. It should not be meddled with. It should not be disrespected. It should not be you know, treated in any unsacred way. And so it's a kind of thing that you know, I take very seriously, and it, it's, it's a very powerful thing. And so when people are, are really faking that or people are, you know, I don't know, it's, uh, it's a crazy world. The Tate Machine has finished. Phil's new album, Mixdown, has been completed. Ted and Phil, or Phil and Ted, now go on an excellent adventure in a van to rehearsal. And here's part two. A lavalier has an acoustic guitar mic. Yeah. You just put it on, like, don't make a lot of noise, and sing and play, and it'll pick up both really well sometimes. And, and, and we're back and we're discussing tricks for recording um, after having just finished spending the week recording and uh, now Ted you're on the way to a, a job I'm on the way session. to a job a, a good, another session at a different place but uh, but yeah no, it's been a pleasure having you out here to do this record man you, you, uh, I just, just really loved getting that phone call at the tail end of 18 and just you said you know you're making a uh, a themed, a themed record around a new instrument in your life, and my ears immediately perked up. And uh, the bonus for me is that you happen to bring five outstanding songs to work on, and uh, I can't wait. I won't go into too much detail on the record because I don't know how how much we want to push it or, or hide it or, or all the above. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, I think people are going to really, you know, there's going to be some some new twists and turns to the Phil Circle fans who've been with you for all these years. And, and uh, I think uh, we should be proud of this fantastic music we've we've created. We've built a built a little bit of a castle, a little bit of a monster, and a little bit of uh, just a lot of joy. So. And what you just did, you described uh, one of the greatest pleasures about the kind of work that we do, and about the, the, the pleasure of doing any kind of work that you love to do. I believe is. Uh, when you get to collaborate with other people, you have something in common. Uh, there's uh, a, a, a common ground that's almost hard to explain, you know, and an ability to get into somebody's heart, um, an ability to get into somebody's mind in a, to a degree, and uh, come out on the other end with something brand new, something completely different, something created. 
so I was I was talking to this guy um, earlier today, recording another podcast, and he he was talking about the, the the power of humans to create. That it's one of the most unique things about who we are uh, as as animals, more or less, uh, or as as, as uh, it was put in that conversation, spiritual beings having a human experience is the uh, ability to create and we also talked a little bit about you know there was like a a, a step in the water of, of religion and he said he does not like dogma but he absolutely believes that we are spiritual beings so he's not about religion but he's all about the spiritual experience and how does one contend with that and I heard you say the other day when we were working about how spiritual music is to you. What's the difference when we discuss, and this is partly to explain to people when we talk about the spiritual experience of music, how to, to, to explain to people that we, we don't mean there for our church. Yeah, you know, what, what, what's funny about, you know, some people who... Um, often say the, the, the only really great part of organized religion over the last 600 years is the music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they've uh, it's inspired some songs, but, but um, no, I, I, I take music very, very seriously, very spiritually. Um, one of the, one of the biggest searches that every human has is, you know, is there, is there a higher power? Isn't there a higher power? Are there evil spirits? Are there good spirits? Should I you know, join this club? Should I go alone? Should I find the, you know, the strength and humanity of, of, of humans as their own human nature? But um, one thing that I've, I've really stumbled upon is I, I take a lot of pleasure in not knowing a lot of things in this world. Like we, you know, we don't know where things come from. We don't know, you know, I, I mean, there's so many, so many things that we do know. And you know, I've, I've been lucky to be put in a situation where some of, some of my music has really affected people and affected other lives. And once your songs are started getting played at people's, you know, at their weddings, at their at their funerals, once your music, you know, you get emails and texts saying, I can't go to a job interview without listening to your song. You know, one of my songs, I had strangers all over the world taking it to their, the headstones of their dead relatives and playing it for their dead relatives. And when your art is affecting other people and your art is being a part of other people's lives, it's not only human, it's very spiritual. It, it transcends so many different types of energies. Um, that I, I think it's, you know, it's obviously we should have a lot of fun in this, this wacky wild world of, of music business. But um, it's something that's just really unique. And, and so from the spiritual side of music, um, I also think that people have to, have to, find places to create within themselves and I think part of that spiritual journey is, is also just looking for a song and, and uh, I think a lot of people can explain their their feelings or their or their their fears or their anxieties or their joys about religion or spirituality or the big what-ifs through music through through creating something through through music or dance or painting or photography or writing um, so I, 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 that, that's what I think is. I, I think the guy you were talking to earlier was really onto something with, uh, you know, organized religion. 
is, is organized religion. I mean, the, 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 the fascinating thing with the music is the very first humans spoke to each other with drums. Drums are the very first instruments. And they spoke to each other by going, you know, I go dum 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 and you go dum 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 Because there was not an organized religion. Or right. there was not an organized language. Right. And there was, you know, th this is very, you know, ancient, primordial, you know, just, just very, at the, at the primal beginning, at the, at, the, at the genesis, if you will, of our human culture was music, because it was the only way we communicated with each other. Language, societies, governments, and religion followed that. And like I was saying in the, before our commercial break, you know, when a star explodes, it's a sound. It's, it's a sound and energy. If you drop, you know, if you drop a, wa a rock into the ocean, it makes a noise. And I think not knowing about the higher powers and not knowing where we go when we die, not knowing where we come from, I do know that if I hit this chord, it makes me happy. And if I hit that chord, it makes you happy. And I've made my day better, and I've made your day better, and I've added then a lyric that's going to make you laugh and make you smile and make you cry or make you think. Um, you know, if we add a rhythm to that, I know that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 that, that is an, it's not an unanswered question, it's a fact. And I think um, one of the things that musicians find a joy in is we are all gods of our own because we create our own little universes. Yes. And we have our, our way of, you know, where did that song come from? It wasn't here five minutes ago. Your record was not around last week. Right. It's around. We made this. Yep. And we controlled it. And we said, let there be drums. And yeah. let there be guitar. And let there be bass. And let there not be pedal steel. And so in that control, um, you can really find higher powers. And, and you can take your listeners to higher powers, too. And... Uh, you know, I'm going to quote a, a guy named Trey Anastasio talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, you know, when Arnold Schwarzenegger in the, in the uh, pumping iron thing, he's like, you know, when I lift the weights, I feel like I'm coming, and then the women, they see me with the muscles, and they start coming, and everybody's coming, and it's like, it's kind of how I feel with writing songs, playing playing guitar, and, and putting out a good record, because it's like, you, you just, there's, there's nothing better than the high of, wow, we just made that. Out of thin air. Out of thin air. And yeah. I mean, you know... It, oh, and yet it was there. And yet it was the, there. The energy is there. We're drawing from that that existing energy and the existing vibrations in the universe around us. And from that, we're, we're using and manipulating these vibrations to create in, this thing. You tap into them and you harness those ideas. And then we use that energy to, to give it a life of a form that is can now be listened to on Earth and, and elsewhere where, you know, those, those sonic wave forms can be manipulated to, to hit eardrums. And and we can then put them into a rather primitive language. The written language of music is very primitive and it's, it's mind-boggling that we're able to convey it with so little information. Um, but we can put that then to uh, the page or what have you and then somebody else can go create that same thing Correct. and can share that creation that we had. And that we can take a song. I can, you know, I can write a song, or you can write a song, and you know, countless people will relate to that song as if it's telling their own story. Uh, 
speaks to how deeply connected humans really are. Yeah. Because how can I possibly tell another person's story if I can't read their mind or something like that? You know, we did, but it's because why? We all come from the same ether, and the music comes from that ether too. Well, and, what, uh, what's so you know, what's so powerful about music is, um, you know, right now we're, we're living in a in a society that becomes more and more divided. Whether it's your political, your religious, or your you know digital online technology that's dividing you from your friends or you're dividing your friends apart or whatever and we're, we're in, a, in this cold uh, this, this kind of cold cold war right now of society and, and, and life um, but what's funny is you go to a concert and there's people who are loving that song they're loving that band they bought, they're loving that record and for the 4 minutes and 10 seconds of that song they don't give a shit about what religion or what color or what your sexual orientation is or if you're a woman or, you know. Yeah, it's, totally. They get lost in the music. Yep. And music can bring everybody together. And that's why it's the universal language. And, and it's uh, that's why I've been honored to uh, be able to make it for so long uh, on this planet and uh, for doing it for a living for so long on this planet. Because it's, uh, it's noble work, you know. At the end of the day, totally we is. make things that people will connect to. And I don't see any more noble or amazing thing than that than, than plumbers and furniture makers. Yeah, right? Uh, music, I sometimes think, I, I, I equate to laughter. If you, if you ever pay attention for a moment when you, you bust out in laughter. And music. And so why don't we just make some good music, listen to some good music, and, uh, and dance a little bit. I don't know. But... Uh, Thanks, Phil. No, and, and, and uh, you know, for your students, they're so lucky to have a teacher like you because uh, I, I can see why they, they've been with you for so many years because, uh, you know, you, you're, you, you give them good life lessons and it's uh, beyond just the instrument. So keep strumming, everybody. Keep strumming and tickling the keys and banging the pots and pans and shaking the, the moneymaker. Shaking the moneymaker, that's right. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day, evening, or morning. Check out his new record whenever it's going to come out. That there you amazing. go. There you go. Peace. Thus concludes the podcast. Please check out Phil Circle and Ted Wolfers online and wherever in the universe they're playing tonight.